Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. That where I am, there you may also be. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. That's pretty interesting. And where is Jesus? He's in heaven. And where are we going to become? How are we going to get to him? He's going to bring us up to himself. Isn't that what he said? I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you may also be. And he's in heaven right now. So we know that this is where we are going to go. And does that encourage your heart? Hi, everyone. We're so glad that you could join us today on Truth in Christ Radio. In the beginning of chapter 4 of Revelation, Jesus says to John, Come up here. Many see John's going up to heaven as a symbol of the rapture of the church. The pattern is significant. After dealing with the church, Jesus calls John up to heaven, catching him away with a voice that sounded like a trumpet. All this happened before the great wrath. As that great judgment on the earth unfolded, John, a representative of the church, was in heaven looking down on earth. The Apostle Paul writes about this event in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's message. His love for you is beyond imagining. His love for you is so great, folks. And there are some of you that are online today. I don't know who you are, but there are some of you I know that are still struggling with this relationship with the Lord. And I want to encourage you today, make that decision. It's just be, it's between you and Him. It has nothing to do with your involvement with Calvary Chapel. This is about you and God. And wherever you go to church after that is, is your business, um, no matter where you're at in the country, no matter where you're at in the world. It's up to you. But you know what? Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. He, he cannot change, but He loves you and me, and He paid the price for you and I. He's the only one who could, and he did that. And so, after reading this chapter in chapter 4, we see this scene in heaven. And again, the events on the earth are taking a pause. The, the church age, as far as the book of Revelation is concerned, is the church age is over and the church has been raptured. That's what happens at the end of chapter 3 and the beginning of chapter 4. The church is removed from the earth. And we know that because the, 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 the way the book of Revelation is laid out is in that fashion. And we're going to get to that. Let's look at, go back to the very first verse and take a look at some things. Notice the, the very title of the message this morning was, After These Things. And I titled that because of the very first three words that we have in this, uh, in this chapter. It says, After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. Now, after these things is a very interesting phrase. Uh, These two words in the Greek literally are meta-tauta. 
meaning after is meta, these things or this thing, tauta is the word. So meta, tauta, these two words together, these two words together. And so you may be thinking to yourself, well, why is this really a big deal? Well, turn with me back to chapter 1 again, because back in chapter 1 and verse 19, we have the outline of the book of Revelation, just like a table of contents of a book Jesus is no different. Those who say the book of Revelation can't be understood, yes, there's a lot of things that we don't understand yet because when we get into the Revelation 6 through 19, we're going to be talking about things that we we can't quite understand yet, but they're nonetheless there. But notice in the table of contents, and it's written for us in verse 19. What does it say in verse 19? We read this when we first started. Jesus, speaking to John, he says, Write the things which you have seen, notice the first thing, and the things which are, which are the second thing, and the things which will take place after this. After this. Now, the things which you have seen, so we have three different sections to the book of Revelation. The first section is the things which you have seen, and John recorded that for us, and it was basically an unveiling of Jesus and his glory, and we see that in the first chapter in verses really 12 down through 18 roughly we see Jesus in his glorified state so he did he wrote that that was the first section and the second section of the of the book is write the things which are and the things which are are chapters 2 and 3 which comprises the church age from uh from Ephesus to the La- the church of Laodicea the lukewarm church and so, and then notice what he says. And also write the things, look at verse 19 there in chapter 1. It says, and write the things which take place after this. That phrase, after this, is meta tauta. The same two Greek words that occurred. And so, when he gives us this in chapter, or in verse 19, excuse me, the, the very next time that it occurs in the book of Revelation is right here at the beginning of chapter 4. So now, we are going to see the things which will take place after this. What after this? What is he talking about? After the church age. Because we just discussed the church age. We discussed uh, chapters 2 and 3 where it talked about these seven churches that comprise the church age. And so these are literally the, 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 the next two words. Because remember, for those of you who may be new to this, uh, the Bible was, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, the New Testament was written in Greek. And so, if you were to have the Greek scriptures, the, the New Testament in Greek, if you were to have the, the book of Revelation in Greek laid before you, that's exactly what you would read. You would see metatauta, and you would see that in verse 19 of chapter 1, and you'd also see the very next time it happens here. So, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a divine outline, if you will. So... With this, uh, or these, after these things, after these things. In fact, one of the interesting things about this book that we have before us is the word for church in the Greek is ecclesia, and that just means called out ones. And the last time we see the church at all is in Revelation chapter 3, verse 22. It was the very last church that we talked about last week, the church of Laodicea. 
And remember, it says, he who has an ear, Revelation 3.22, it says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches or the ecclesia in the, in the Greek. And the very next time we hear of the church at all, it's at the very end of the book of Revelation. Very end of the book. In fact, it's in Revelation 22, verse 16, where it says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches, in the ecclesia. He says, I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and the morning star. And so now in chapter 4, the vantage point again is no longer with the church on earth, but it is in heaven where Jesus and the raptured church is, where things are eternal and there's no corruption. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to that. Notice that wherever Jesus is in the book of Revelation, that is where the church is as well. And turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 14, because as we look at this uh, doctrine of the rapture, which is one of the most significant doctrines in the Bible, and the one that chapter 4 clearly talks about, and we'll, we'll look at this, after these things, after the church is open, because as it says there in verse 1, a door is going to be opened. And the voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, who was Jesus Christ himself, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place, metatauta, after this. So it's the church. And John, being a representative of the church, because he is part of the church, he is taken up in, in a vision, if you will, and God showing him things that are yet to come. And he wrote them there, why? For our benefit, so that we would understand what's coming, the bigger picture. And, and I don't know about you, but I like the bigger picture. The, the things that happen day to day, I can't know. And only God knows those things. But He is wonderful in the fact that He gives us the bigger picture. And that settles my heart. Doesn't it settle yours too? Even though it's difficult enough as it is, but He gives us these things. Notice what He said to His disciples. Because remember, where Jesus is in the book of Revelation, there's where the church is as well, the raptured church. And where is Jesus in the beginning of chapter 4 here? He's no longer on, he's no longer, he, he was in heaven, but uh, the, the church was on the earth. But now that he is in glory, where is the church now at the, at the beginning of uh, chapter 4 here? They are, he, they are in glory with him. So wherever Jesus is, is where the church is as well. All throughout the book of Revelation. Look with me at John chapter 14. Jesus speaking to his disciples. We're just going to look at the first four verses. Jesus in that upper room, the the night that he was betrayed, the, the night that he was taken unlawfully, this is what he said to his disciples as he told them of his impending death and that he would rise again the third day. And naturally they were very... Uh, disheartened, they were very discouraged. But notice what Jesus said to them as a means of comforting them. He says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, so he's equating himself with the Father, which is true. He's equal with God the Father, equal with God the Holy Spirit. He says, In my Father's house are many mansions, many places of dwelling. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And Jesus said these words before he was even crucified, knowing that after he was crucified, 40 days afterwards, he would ascend to his Father. The Bible tells us that. He says, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, guess what? I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may also be. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. 
That's pretty interesting. And where is Jesus? He's in heaven. And where are we going to become? How are we going to get to him? He's going to bring us up to himself. Isn't that what he said? I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, you may also be. And he's in heaven right now. So we know that this is where we are going to go. And does that encourage your heart? I hope it does. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. This is another pivotal uh, passage of Scripture uh, concerning the doctrine of the rapture, the teaching of the rapture of the church. This is not a new doctrine. This is something that Paul the Apostle uh, spoke to the, the Thessalonians because we're reading his letter right here back in the first century sometime in around you know, in the 60s of you know, 60 A.D., 65, somewhere in that area. Um, Paul wrote this letter to the Thessalonians, and notice what he says to them, because they were very discouraged, because uh, they were going through some very hard times, and there were a lot of deceivers back at this time writing letters saying that the rapture had already occurred, and now they were in the tribulation period, spoken by Paul. Um, And of course, Paul told them that they would certainly go through difficulty, but they weren't going through the great tribulation that we're going to be looking at in the book of Revelation, which is even yet future to us. He says, you guys haven't gone through the tribulation uh, because the rapture of the church has not happened. So what does he say? Notice, he says, "I I I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, meaning those who have died in Christ, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died, now remember, Paul is speaking to them and he's including himself in this letter. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you, notice, not this is not Paul's opinion. This is something that Jesus himself revealed to Paul. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, notice the authority here, the word of Jesus, that we who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. In other words, those who have died in faith in Christ. For the Lord will himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. And notice what happens. Notice the order. The dead in Christ will rise first. It doesn't matter if you've been cremated. It doesn't matter if your ashes have been spread out on the ocean. God knows who you are. He knows your DNA. If he needs it at all, he is able to raise you up and you will receive a new body, one that will last for eternity a body like Jesus had when he rose from the grave that was able to pass through walls and pass through material and be invisible and then show up at other places. Notice that the dead in Christ will rise first. And then verse 17, he says, Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord where? On the earth? No, to meet him in the air. Remember where Jesus said, that where I am, you may also be, and I will come and receive you unto myself. This is what he's talking about. And he got this revelation directly from Jesus, Paul the Apostle did. So then, we who are alive and remain will be caught up. And I'd have you underline that word, caught up, in your Bible. It says, caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Notice, we will always be with the Lord from this moment onward. Do you understand that? And notice, I love what he says, comfort therefore one another with these words. And I can't imagine a more comforting thing. You know, there is no event on my calendar, there is no event in my life that is more exciting to me than 
being caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Our faith will be complete. Our bodies will be changed. We will be in His presence forevermore. And believe me, folks, that is the greatest thing going. If you were able to receive a solid gold automobile that never broke down, that the insurance was paid for and didn't require gas, if you had a solid gold house that was impenetrable by anything, nothing ever broke down, if it was a utopia on this earth, nothing would be compared to meeting Jesus, the one who created all things, who even created the gold. I mean, is there really anything that's more exciting than to see him face to face? The one who died for us? I mean, wow. I can't wait for that day. I can't wait for it. I'm looking forward to it. Are you looking forward to it? Say amen. <laughs> I can't hear you, but that's okay. I know you're saying it. So notice what it says there here, though, because... The word rapture is not anywhere in the Bible. And you may be gasping with horror when I say that, but the word rapture does not, is not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. And I'll tell you why. And I'll tell you why it is and it isn't. The word itself is not there. But notice with me that line, those two words I had you underline, caught up. Because in the original Greek, those words, that word that, that, that is uh, for the word caught up is harpazo. And this word literally needs, means to seize, to be plucked up by violence very quickly. It's not something that's like, oh, cr- cradle a baby. No, it's a violent snatching up off of the earth. That's literally what this means, to snatch you away and to change you. In the twinkling of an eye, as we're going to look at, that's what the word means. Caught up. Now, here's where we get the word the rapture. As we know, the Bible was written in Greek. We see this word caught up, literally harpazo. Well, in the fourth century, in 382 to be specific, AD, there was a gentleman by the name of Jerome who was a, um, a gentleman who actually uh, translated the Greek scripture into Latin. Uh, for the Catholic Church. They use this as part of their, and they still do, many Latin masses and stuff like that. But he wrote, uh, or he didn't write, he translated the Greek into Latin. And when you get to this verse in Latin, I'm actually looking at the Latin right now on my in my notes here. That word caught up is rapi, or rapi mir. And basically what that means is the same thing. It means to be caught up. And that's where we get our word rapture. Rapture just means to be caught up and taken away. So when the church, when we use this term and everyone looks at us kind of like we're crazy and then they, they get the bright idea of maybe doing a search and they go, aha, the word rapture is not in the Bible. You can say, you're right, the word rapture is not in the Bible, but the concept of it is all over the Bible. <laughs> and this is a very clear passage, one of the clearest that speak of this act that's going to happen. The rapture of the church. The rapture uh, may, not be found, um, may not be found in the Bible, but the concept, the action of it, the very act is very clearly shown. Turn with me now to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, beginning in verse 50, and we're going to look at something else here. Now, you may be wondering to yourself, why should the church be removed if what I'm saying is true, if what the Bible is saying is true, that there is going to be a time of Jacob's trouble. There's a lot to this. We could spend uh, two or three services just on this topic alone very easily. However, why is the church exempt from the difficulty that's coming upon the earth? Because the judgment that God is going to be pouring out on the earth is for those who have rejected him. A world that has rejected his only means of salvation. 
And the Bible says that God is not, he's not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 9, that's exactly what it says. And that's one of the things the Thessalonians were confused about because they were going through difficulty. They thought they were going, they'd been told that they were going through the tribulation. And Paul says, oh no, the, the tribulation hasn't even occurred yet because it's a whole different thing. It's a whole different thing. Persecution is different from what's going to happen uh, in the great tribulation period. Persecution is what we receive from the hand of man. But during the great tribulation, this is going to be uh, trouble that God is going to bring upon the earth. Big difference. The source of the uh, judgment is going to be completely different. But notice with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul, writing to the Corinthians, beginning in verse 50, what does it say? He says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit corruption. In other words, this body that we have is going to die, it's going to corrupt, it's going to decay. This corruption does not inherit incorruption. He says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, meaning not all of us are going to die, but we shall all be changed. And here Paul describes the method, the way in which we are going to be raptured and what it's going to look like. He says, in a moment, verse 52, in the twinkling of an eye, and the twinkling of an eye is so quick that it's literally nanoseconds. It happens so quickly, it's, it's done, it's over. And that's exactly how the rapture of the church is going to take place. It's going to be in a moment, he says, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. We just read about that in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13, verse 17 specifically. He says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible. We saw that before in his letter to the Thessalonians. They'll be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed, those of us who are alive and remain. For this corruptible, meaning this body of ours, must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. That's exactly what happened to Jesus when he rose from the grave. That body of flesh that he had that was physical bone, flesh and bone and blood was now made a different composite, a different material that he could rise through those wraps and they would just collapse on, on, the, on the slab as he would pass through them and pass through the, the, the tomb there in Jerusalem. He says, so when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, and here is, he's re, uh, quoting from the Psalms, death is swallowed up in victory. And here's the Psalm. It says, O death, where is your sting? O Hades or hell, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. <laughs> and isn't that good news? Isn't that wonderful news? And you know what? Again, chapter 4 and chapter 5. The whole vantage point changes now to the church. Uh, we're, we're in glory, and, and, and we see the worship of God before uh, and the scroll being given to Jesus Christ. And as he unravels that scroll, one, one seal at a time, chapter 6 through the uh, 19, verse 10 of 
revelation, we're going to see in successive waves judgments that are going to be poured out. This is a horrible time. The Bible says, Jesus said, that if he didn't come back at the end of that, no flesh would survive. That's how bad things are going to get. We think that you know, 9-11 was bad. We think that this, this coronavirus was bad. It really shook our tree, didn't it? Well, but let me tell you, when God starts to pour out judgment upon the earth and the way he's going to do it and the way it's described, I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcasts. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.